Welcome to Leadership Requested. I'm your host, Jen Rebar. Thanks for listening. After the pandemic hit, the world was more disconnected than ever before. My daughter Juliana and I wanted to help, so we started this podcast to empower leaders with encouraging messages from around the world. We both love hearing people tell their heartfelt stories and have a passion for learning. Join us every Wednesday as a unique leader comes on our show to talk with us and share their story of how they use leadership to make their slice of the world a better place. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy listening to our show, subscribe to our channel, give us a review, and let us know what you think. Remember, your leadership has been requested. Are you ready? Hi, Jen. I'm uh, Marcel Combs. And I am the owner and uh, CEO, I guess, if you will, of three different corporations, one of which is Mac Legacy, and they do healthcare consulting for home health and hospice. And then I have a real estate company uh, that's called Mac Legacy Investments, because I was so creative with names. Um, You know, overnight, you think, okay, there's going to be a new corporation And so I own several properties and do a little real estate. I wouldn't say I'm really good at that. So I hope no one wants to call and ask me any advice on that one. But I do have several commercial and and residential um, lease properties. And then I have a third company, which uh, is called the Marshall Combs Company. And through it is kind of... What I, I guess I thought I might do when I grow up. Um, and so I've written a book that is near completion, and we're a little ways from actually launching. But through that company, I'm trying to do a starting a podcast, doing more education and kind of leadership topics, if you will, than I, than I have done, uh, spent most of my career in. So you asked me to tell you a little bit about my journey. So I, uh, I'm not going to start back from the cradle, but mm-hmm. I, I really went to college to be a nurse and I am a registered nurse and I still have that license. I always tell people if, if someone has a cardiac arrest, I might not be your first person you would want to <laughs> call. My, I'm sure that I would be better than nothing, but the bar might be pretty low for that. Uh, but I, uh, back when I was really young, I thought, you know, I'm always going to be by the bedside. I'm going to be taking care of patients. I, I loved uh, labor and delivery, uh, teaching prenatal classes, doing that whole gamut. If you think about newborns and, and that whole entry into the world. And then through a series of events, um, my husband, uh, his, he, he would tell you he's educated beyond his intelligence and he has his PhD and I ended up out in a little town in West Texas called Lubbock. And in Lubbock, I, I was just, I got pregnant for the fourth time. I have five children. Uh, one, very fortunately, I chose. So um, <laughs> I have to birth that one. I always say she was my best birth uh, because of that. Um, but I have five children and I, I, with the fourth pregnancy, I was just looking around for something part-time to do. And so, and my husband was in, was in, um, in his PhD program at Texas Tech University. 
And so we needed to eat. I had all these boys. I had three boys and I was pregnant with the fourth one. And I ran into a gal that was doing home care. And I don't know if you know a lot about home care, but it, it is what it says it is. And we provided medical care in the home for patients 65 or older. So I, I really, I, I said early on in my career, I said, I'm never going to sit behind the desk and I'm never going to work with the elderly. And not because I didn't like the elderly, but because I was really close to my grandfather. And I just really felt like it would just be too sad to take care of patients as they near the end of their journey. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that never say never, uh, you know, and you really shouldn't do that because life might just put you in that. The truth is I did my first part-time young mom thing and fell in love with the field of home care, of actually taking patient, care of patients in their home. Through a series of events, uh, really, I wasn't raised with money. My husband wasn't raised with money. And um, through a series of events, I wanted to buy the company I had worked for after a couple years. And through that, really through who became my business mentor, uh, who was about my age, uh, I talked him in somehow into selling this home health agency to me. I, I did, really, I wasn't qualified. I'd never taken a business course. I, um, you know, I, I was a good nurse and I, I was beginning to learn how do you get business, how do you market. Just a little clue for, for non-clinical people. When you go into a clinical field, generally you don't have any business classes and you don't have any marketing classes. You don't have any of those things. <laughs> So if you move over to try to do that in an entrepreneurial kind of way, there's a big learning curve. But uh, what I was was extremely uh, goal-oriented. I really didn't think I would ever work when my kids were little. Um, again, never say never in your journey. Uh, and so uh, through, through this mentor, I was really able to buy this company. And so I, I had helped it grow. By this time, we had gone from one small little office to four offices. And I had just badgered my way into doing that, all while having, you know, they were all two years apart. And I think when I bought the company, they were four, six, eight, and 10, all boys. Um, and so I, um, I, I went to bed one night and woke up the next morning and I was a uh, million dollars in debt and had all these employees were depending on me for a paycheck. It, it was shocking, really. And I sometimes I jump off things not really knowing what I should be doing or not. But fortunately, uh, I was able to, you know, do that and and listen and read lots of books, which I think is the key to almost everything, having great mentors and reading great books. Uh, a couple of years later, I sold that company and formed another company that I would then have for the good part of 28 years or so. Um, and so I, I loved it. I loved the people. Uh, when I sold, I guess we 
we probably had around 750 or so employees. We had agencies in Texas and New Mexico and Oklahoma. And I sold that company in 2018, thinking not really um, what I was going to do, but thinking what, what would be the next. My number one goal would be, as I, I would say, I'm on my last third of life. And, and what, do I, what do I really want? From that last third of life. Fortunately, um, you know, through that, I, you know, it, it wasn't about money, but within, and I stayed with the company that I sold to for a short period of time, and it's really new. Um, you know, when you sell a company, it's hard to stay, um, and they were a, a big company, and I, I'm not really a big corporate girl. I always say that, maybe because I don't do what I'm told. Maybe. <laughs> problem. Uh, but anyway, so I, I did that in 2018. And then by June of 2019, really by that spring, I thought I just can't, it, I can't stay home. You know, my husband then had retired. And I sure can't stay home with him uh, all the time. And I was used to this crazy lifestyle of traveling and going and speaking and doing lots of things. And so I just, you know, I, I decided that I would go back in. And so I bought back from the company, I sold a small piece of the business, which was the consulting piece, a very small piece of an overall really large business. And so that was Mac Legacy. And that that's the company that does healthcare consulting and and uh, we do all kinds of medical uh, coding and those types of things with a great, a great core team that are all much younger than me and uh, which I had worked in, with in my former life, but uh, which is just pure fun. And I had launched out on writing this book, which, you know, you can see now it's taken me 18 months to the write the book. I would say just an antidote to that. I, at the same time, I had had my house on this on the market, and so within 30 days, I had sold the business that I really spent every day working in, living in, having my own brand of management in, and I sold my house and I sold it for a cash deal, and they wanted me out in two weeks. So within 30 days, I was kind of homeless. I'm not going to say that in the, the the type, you know, but but I didn't I didn't have a house and I didn't have a business, um, and so um, I've now moved I think three times in eighteen months. Wow, uh, I know, you know, but when somebody wants your house and they have cash money, uh, you just say okay, um, or I do. So anyway. Um, then, of course, that brings us to 2020, which is COVID. Um, mm -hmm. COVID has been a real adjustment for a lot of us. Uh, it, as much as everyone thinks healthcare should have done really, really well through COVID, uh, they stopped all their elective surgeries. So business was pretty slow for three or four months. We're really beginning to see some recovery there. But... But it's been a hard go. And I, I, I always tell everyone in business, if you look at me now, you might think, oh, this, she makes this look like it was really easy. 
And I, I would always say, you know, there's too many nights that you go to bed and think, how am I going to make payroll? Whether it's a small payroll or it's a big payroll. And by the time we ended, I think my payroll was about 1.2 million every two weeks. Uh, oh. let's, let's just say I couldn't make that up with my retirement accounts. Um, and so in, in healthcare, the margins are pretty, pretty not, not great. Uh, they're definitely not what Google's making. Uh, <laughs> other type, um, you know, uh, internet companies. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a struggle, but such a great rewarding struggle. If you, if you do that kind of work, it, it was, um, I, I have to say, I missed that. I loved patients and I loved taking care of them. I went on to do hospice and uh, also, and, and this was way on the business end, not, you know, I've long left that provider, that, that part that I was never going to leave. Um, I'd long left that. I, you know, I do have, um, I got my bachelor's degree and then in my, um, about 10 years ago, I talked six or seven people from my company and to going back to get their master's with me. And we um, all went back and got our master's, not because it was something that would really help me financially, but I'm a real believer in lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what makes you um, keep up to date. Uh, even when you, even when you look at and, and challenging yourself to do things that maybe aren't always comfortable. Um, and maybe watching the presidential debates last night were way for uncomfortable, <laughs> but to do things that are just uncomfortable to the point that, and challenge yourself with people, um, that might know more smarter than you do more, um, all the time. And it's the things that drive me crazy in life, but it's also the things that make me want to get out of bed the next morning. So that's, um, that's a long conversation, um, you know, for, for just who are you and what you do. But, you know, I'm open for any, any questions you might have. Jen. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for kind of summing things up. I know it's, it's a big question to ask um, who you are and to have you sum that up in a few minutes. So thank you for kind of given us a, a bird's eye view. Um, when you transitioned from being bedside, like you said, into being more of the businesswoman running the show and having this huge payroll, what was really the catalyst? What were the big things that stood out for you? And did you do all this in Texas? I, I'm... A Texas girl, I always tell my children that I was born in Texas and I plan to die in Texas. Now, I, I would take a good trade for Italy or Hawaii. I mean, if it just so <laughs> happens, I'm traveling and I get my wish and I die some, some massive heart attack or stroke, I, I that would be okay. Preferably with a gelato in my hand. Um, but um, I think I got myself sidetracked. From the transition, I think I had been, I had been in a management position before then. So I was running um, 
people. And I, I believed in two core things, which really are in this book of mine. Uh, but one, one was um, I really only wanted to hire people that I liked. Um, and my number one goal is you might not can find something you like about someone, but you can find some tiny part you might love. Now, I will say some people are a little harder to find that than others. And of course, we had to have qualifications. I mean, there, there are certain type of certifications that you had to have to do healthcare in that kind of position. But my number one thing was that. And my number two thing was um, that I wanted to have a good time at work. My motto was come to work with a smile on your face and until the day that you no longer want to be there and then you need to leave because you create an environment. So for me to move, um, and, and I will say, even as a manager, I would still see patients a, probably a long time after I should have from a time management. I, I would never, if you were someone, if a young woman uh, or man was sitting in front of me, I would tell them, no, you need to give that up. But the truth is I held on for a long time because I loved, I, there's nothing quite like um, for me to go in to someone's own environment, their own home, and to um, listen to their journey. I mean, mm -hmm. that you can, you can just imagine. I had a gal who had the same birthday as me, and I was 34, mm -hmm. and she was 74. And she said to me, you know, Marcel, there's a whole lot of fun between 34 and 74. And I, I really thought to myself, you are the woman I want to be. Um, so, you know, part of those things kind of molded me as a manager. And I, I made tons of mistakes um, along the way. But, you know, that transition was not horrid for me from when I bought. It was harder for me from when I was really just a, an employee working and went into a management position. Um, it, it was, you know, a harder go to go from being just a peer to being in a management position. That's, that's more difficult. And at that time, everyone was older than me. If you last long enough, you become older than everyone else. So <laughs> it's remarkable when you look around and that happens. Now you mentioned your five kids, your husband, you have all these businesses. How did you manage to balance all of that and make it out sane? Because that's a challenge that a lot of women have, a lot of working parents have in general. Well, the jury might still be out on whether I'm sane or not. Uh, so that, that you might want to talk to some people who know me a little better. You know, when I look back, um, I never really planned on, I, I wasn't really, again, I wasn't the business major. I wasn't setting out to do that. I think I always kind of thought maybe I'll do something, you know, someday. Um, but, um, you know, having really four kids and then five kids, uh, when the kids were really little, I think I started traveling when my youngest son, there's eight years between my youngest son and my daughter. Um, and I always say she fell out of heaven and we caught her when she was about four, 
Uh, she, she is 28 now. She would love for me to say that. Um, so, so when I talk about those early years, it really has to do with these four little boys, two years apart. And, and unlike um, some moms that choose to go to work, really, my husband was working on his, his PhD. And I, um, these little boys just really need to eat. And so there's someone had to feed them and we really needed health insurance. And so uh, for me to work was really not a choice. Uh, the first year was kind of miserable. And then I read an article and I wish I'd kept this article, but I read an article about moms who work and moms who stay home um, and that they did this survey. I have no idea. So, you know, don't call me later, whether it was scientific or not, but it, but it made an impact in my life um, because it said the children of mothers who worked and the children of mothers who stayed home, if the mother was happy at work, then the kids were happy and they did well. And if the mother was happy at home, that was true. But if the mother was unhappy in either setting, and so I decided then, then the kids did not do well. And so I decided right then and there that I um, would try to love my job and I would, I would do that every day and I would stop this thing of, you know, I didn't plan to work. I didn't want to stay home. And so I would just have to figure it out. I will say you have to be incredibly organized. Um, and it, it, you know, I have, I, I think I left that out. I have these five kids and I now have three daughter-in-laws and I have six grandchildren. And I have on occasion kept these grandkids when they had to like go to school the next day and, and mm -hmm. I had to uh, go to work the next day. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, say, you have to be incredibly organized. And I, I actually told my son just last week, um, it was about 8.30 and I had gotten all these kids out of the house. And I, um, my son called me and I said, you know, my mistake today I made was not getting dressed before they got up. I should have gotten dressed before they got up. So I think it's the little, you know, the little things um, like that is being prepared for the next day. Um, I don't really believe in balance. I believe that life is full of averages and that sometimes work wins, sometimes home wins, but they're rarely... 50-50. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's either it's either right now, you know, your kids could have COVID or we've gone through this crazy season where first everyone was home and then all of a sudden the parents went back to work <laughs> at first, but the daycare weren't open. And, and in healthcare, what I hear from my compadres out there is that, so they need these nurses to come back to work but there's nobody to keep their kids. And so it, it, you have to figure out how you're gonna, you're gonna figure that out. Uh, I also am, was incredibly blessed to have a husband who uh, I can't say in our age group, they, that came natural to them mm -hmm. to take tasks. We would divide tasks because if he was just helping me, that meant that I was just doing it. Uh, and he's a wonderful guy. So uh, me being my neurotic self, you know, when I told you earlier, the jury was out on whether I was crazy or not, I, we would assign tasks and I would um, 
you know, say these are the tasks you do and these are the tasks I do. This all worked really well until um, my youngest son went to college and Craig um, is in the, was in the National Guard and he was called up to Iraq and he left because taking the garbage out was on his list. So I was left with this little girl and me who had never taken the garbage out. Now I know you women, I, it's not like I was incapable. Was, I was not incapable, but, but to survive in working, you have to divide the task. Mm-hmm. So that was a task I divided <laughs> and my, my other division was not there anymore. Um, so, you know, it, it was an interesting, an interesting time, even with one child, because for many years, you know, um, I, I just had one at home. So I, I think, um, I think the other thing really, and I don't want, I don't mean to go on and on, but I want to make sure to say this is to be really intentional. I intentionally would have a special time with them. I mean, I had a lot of kids. Um, so I would try to, to go and have lunch with them or, or to do, take them to the Sonic. I mean, there were times we didn't really have a lot of money. So I, I wasn't going to be taking them to Disney world every other day. Um, you know, but it doesn't matter like that with kids. I remember, um, when Craig would do his weekend warrior thing, he spent the last 10 years in, in full time, but this was when he was doing his weekend warrior, I would tell the, my sons, we're going to go on an adventure. So we, <laughs> we would just take off and drive within 20 minutes and maybe eat at a different restaurant or go to a different park or, you know, something that would be just a little adventure that we would do. But, but being intentional, I can't, uh, down, I, I can't say enough about that. I, I will also say really during those years, I did work and I did home. I didn't, I didn't volunteer to be the mother of the class. I volunteered to buy what they needed. I said, yeah. how about I give money? Um, <laughs> and, and remarkably, there, a lot of times they always need money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would make friends with one of those moms that had the blessing of staying home or, or, or she wanted to stay home and was able to stay home. And I would say, what do you need? I can't, I can't come in the middle of the day and do this. And yet I do remember a time when my second son was a senior in high school. I was out of town. I was speaking at an event and I got <laughs> I got a taxi. I flew back to Dallas, got in a taxi, which this is before Uber, uh, came up about an hour north of Dallas, walked on the field with him as a mom of a senior, got back in a cab and went back to the airport and went back to D.C. So it was a lot of years of being tired. Yeah. That's parenting, I think, in a nutshell, is just being tired. I was talking to someone earlier today, and uh, they were apologizing for being late or something. And I said, you know, when you have parents of young children, you run from one thing to the next, from sun up to sun down, and you're always tired. And as they get older or life goes on, you run from one meeting right now, one Zoom meeting to the next, and you're still tired at the end of the day. Right. But I think when they were little, we felt like we had more of an excuse. 
excuse because we had peanut butter in our hair and, yeah. you know, a laundry basket and toys in the other hand at the end of the night when we tried to go to bed. And now <laughs> it's just our cell phone and notes or what have you. So I told her, I was like, you don't have to apologize. We're all just as busy. We just don't have oh, the peanut butter in our hair. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully, depending right. on the day. <laughs> what was the most significant moment thus far in your career that really has been that catalyst that just stands out? Significant moment in my career regarding, I feel like they're most impactful or? Yeah, your most impactful. The one that just makes you think when, when I finish my career, when I retire, people are going to look at my career and this will be on the highlight reel. Do you know, um, I, my number one goal is to have an impact on people, to make a difference in one life. I, I, you can't make a difference necessarily in a million, um, but my goal is to make a difference in one. So um, to try to challenge people beyond what they think they can do um, to uh, so it, if you're if you're saying a significant event who that um, I, I'm not I had someone tell me this I'm not I feel like whatever accomplishments I have um, it's hard for me not to be very humble with those um, but but let me let me say when I finished my master's degree. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt a huge amount of success with that, uh, which is really funny. Um, when I bought my first business, uh, if you want to know the real truth, um, when I got my first company car, which is before I bought my first business, because we, you know, remember I said we had all these little kids and we didn't have any money. My husband was in school um, and we had this terrible car. And so I told the owner of the business, I, I said, what if I hit this goal with patients for this, this many patients uh, for this, for six weeks, it was really 200 patients a week for six weeks. It was really visits then, but, um, and then I get a company car. Um, so I was, you know, I was obsessed with that. And so if I think about my accomplishments, it, it was to get this car that I didn't have to pay for that was all brand new. It was significant. Now, that's not what you're going to look back on my career and go, oh, Marcel earned herself a, a company. No, that's not what I mean by any means. Actually, that was absolutely perfect. Like for me, I, I want to inspire people to better themselves and better their lives. That's something that's important to me. And when my highlight reel runs, you know, when your personal highlight reel runs, I feel like it's different than what would have run at, you know, the Ford 500. It, it's right. different. Right. For sure. For me, I had a conversation a few years ago with a friend of mine who I've known for forever. And she told me that she went back to school because I did. 
I went back to school and I didn't even finish. I was able to get a couple of credits and then I moved on to certifications and stuff because of finances and life. She went back to school and became a dental assistant. She runs an office now. She does incredible. So part of my highlight reel is without even knowing, without having a conversation, nothing, you know, the fact that she saw someone who was going through a divorce, who didn't have an education, who had health issues, who had two little ones, my kids were three and five at the time, just saying, you know what, this isn't working, I really should do something for me, and I went for it, and she did too, and her life's in a completely different place, like, I didn't even know, I just was struggling and putting my head down and doing what I needed to do for me, but that'll be in my highlight reel, because I think the day-to-day stuff that we do that we're just trying to survive or like you're just trying to hit your goals so that you can get that better car for your family because that's going to be this huge relief and it's that personal pride for yourself. You're also inspiring other people to achieve their goals and put in the work and I think that deserves a highlight reel. For sure. Well, I I will say to you um, and I is that if if all else failed, my children could grow up and say, I was raised by a good mother. She loved me and she cared for me. She was not perfect. Um, that That's that's kind of rank right up there with, um, you know, you, you've done well. Because um, we do all these other things and, and everything else in our life is destroyed. It, it makes it... Um, just too, too hard. I, I, I could probably, I mean, I could have probably been very, I mean, very, very wealthy had I not said these kids are more important than this meeting. I mean, they just are. And that, that's not to say I didn't go to all those meetings. It's just to say I didn't go to some of those meetings. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do some of those things. Oh, for sure. I think moms always have to prioritize that. And we kind of get a lot of flack sometimes. We certainly give ourselves a lot of criticism for it. I know I was not PTA mom. I did not go on even one field trip. I was not that mom. And I felt really bad about it because I always thought I would be. But um, I ended up not wanting to be. It wasn't who I was. And I was fortunate. I had a support system that was able to help me. So my kids never lacked for it. I showed up when I could. My kids knew they had someone in their corner. And I think that's what mattered. But um, having, I think showing up when you say you will, not promising something you can't, and just making sure your kids know that that priority is huge. And it sounds like you did that for your kids. Do you think that you are going to be done with your book soon? Do you have a release date? I do not have a release date. Um, I think I'm going to be finished um, within the next four weeks. And I would love to tell you the title right off the top of my head, but a lot of discussion around that. Um, it's it's really on friendship management. It's really on how how do we manage in a way that we have good friends at work. 
Um, it, it's a difficult thing to do, but such a rewarding thing to do in the end. There are pluses and negatives like there are with any type of supervision or leadership, but the truth is um, I really believe in this. And I, as I said, um, you know, my number one thing has been to impact people, even, even if they don't they didn't stay with my company or they didn't, you know, they, they didn't walk that whole journey for me. I, I used to tell new hires, my goal for you is to be the hardest person you ever worked for, but the best person you ever worked for. I want to be both. Um, but I want to expect, as I said earlier, more of you than sometimes you might expect of yourself. Um, because I really, I really believe, um, and you know, I have a heart for women in leadership. That um, you know, that that sometimes women are in situations that they feel like they can't get out, and and I want to say, step by step, you can get out. You can make a difference. You you can choose certifications over finishing a degree, or or you can choose it later. Um, but but the goal is um, when you get three years down the road, have you done any of those things that you set out to do? And sometimes you just need cheerleaders in your camp and you just you need people who can say, yes, you can do this. Let's think about it. I, I'm convinced people don't finish degrees because they're so brilliant, but they finish degrees because they're they have a lot of stamina um, and aren't meant to finish degrees they they do extremely well in whatever they choose to do uh, without that so what has been your inspiration for the book just your career or has there been certain relationships well I always wanted to be the person I wanted to work for and I I can't I can't say I lived up to that every day uh, but um, I, I will say a lot of the people who worked for me for 20, 25, 30 years, uh, even, even in another business that followed me to the next business, um, have encouraged me to write it down. And so because of that, I feel like, uh, I feel like it doesn't, have to be so grueling it doesn't have to be so miserable it doesn't those those things all the money in the world and all the benefits in the world not saying they're not important but they're not what make a person happy at work I mean they're just not um, and so there's things like respect and integrity and character and you know, I, as a leader, I don't get to cuss and scream and slam the door. As a leader, that's not what I get to do. And, and when I set that kind of behavior, then that behavior kind of follows me. Uh, where if I set other expectations, then people will follow. And, and I'll, I'll say, but way back in the early years, and this is, you know, in the 90s, um, in the dark ages, um, but in the 90s, there was a hospital and they were literally, I was from my desk, I could see the hospital floors in the office that we had. It was a little home health agency. 
and the social workers who were in charge of referrals, which means they were in charge of my business, which means they were in charge of my paycheck, uh, would look out the door and they, you know, they would see my car there and they would, they would call me and they would say, Marcel, this patient, can you come over and help them? Because they're going to go home first thing in the morning or they're going to go home at 10 o'clock tonight. Can, I saw your car. But these people weren't allowed to wear pants to work. Now, I know it, you can't even imagine a workplace like that. It was a religious associated, was the 90s, and they, they had to wear dresses. Well, I, I stopped wearing pants to work because if I got a call like that, even at 7 o'clock at night, I would have to run up there and go to the hospital. And as a leader... I needed to represent what their standard was. Mm -hmm. So if this book means anything, um, and, you know, it would be to just a half of an inch to change the hearts and minds of people to say, you you can't behave in a manner in which people um, don't have a standard to follow because whatever your standard is, that's what they're going to do. Wherever your bar is, they're going to come just below that. Um, so, so I think that's that's most of it. I um, I don't know if you've written anything, but you're never quite happy with what you meant to say versus what it does say. Right. And I'm more of a. Some people are more of a writer speaker, and I'm more of a speaker writer. Mm-hmm. So it never really, like, I, that's been part of why it's taken longer, because I've struggled with how can I make them feel the way I want them to feel? And, and again, it's a life goal. Um, you don't write a book these days unless you get wildly successful and expect to make money off the book. So if anybody's thinking this girl's thinking that, she's not. Um, but, but it is hopefully leaving that legacy. Yeah. Speaking of legacies, that leads perfectly into the question that I ask every single guest. What do you want your legacy to be? I I want my legacy to really be that I've done a good job, you know, that I that I have impacted my family. That's very important to me Um, that. you know, they, people don't think of me as a grouchy old woman. I don't want to end this world. Is that I want to end the world like the lady with her birthday that said there was a whole lot of fun uh, between here and here. Um, and, and I want it to hopefully have people remember working for me and saying she was tough, but I learned so much there. Um, I desperately think we, we, we need more people in healthcare who really care. Uh, healthcare became a business somewhere in the 80s. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's really hard out there. You have to make a profit to be able to buy computers and other, other things to keep up. And, and making a profit's not a bad name. So I, I hope that I can inspire some healthcare people to remember the heart of what healthcare should be doing. Because someday it's going to be your mom or dad or your kid um, and or your family member 
that's hurt or you, and you're going to hope that somebody like me walks in the door versus other, other people who might not have that same standard. So if I can do anything to inspire that, um, I would want to, Jen. I think that's beautiful. Like what you hear? Become a supporter of Leadership Requested. Subscribe to the Leadership Requested podcast. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening and catch us next Wednesday on Leadership Requested. Your leadership has been requested. Are you ready?